Welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. We often hear about how much the industry is changing, as if it's just the hairdressing industry that is changing. But it's every industry that is changing. For example, just think of the impact that Spotify or other streaming services have had on the music industry or the impact that social media has had on advertising in magazines, or the impact that Airbnb has had on the hotel sector, or the impact that Netflix has had on TV and entertainment, and I could go on. Every industry is changing, and it always has. Maybe the rate of change is sped up a little, but don't go thinking that eventually things will get back to normal. Instead, embrace change and look for the opportunities in front of us. My guest on today's podcast is Andrew Finkelstein, and he's witnessed a lot of change in the industry. Andrew isn't a hairdresser himself, but he comes from the famous Finkelstein hairdressing dynasty. He currently resides in New York and works as an author, speaker, and coach for hairdressers. In today's podcast, we'll discuss Glenby International, the family business coaching and the changes that the industry is undergoing from new technology to new routes to market for retail and evolving business models and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Andrew Finkelstein. Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here. Really appreciate uh, the time to spend with you. No, me too. I've been looking forward to having a chat. We've, we've, you know, just so our listeners know, we've already been chatting for the last 45 minutes. Um, so it's about time we push the record button because otherwise we leave all the good stuff on the cutting room floor, so to speak. So, um, Andrew, we, we, we haven't met. Isn't that a funny world? We haven't met face to face, but we've met over Zoom several times. So I sort of feel like I sort of know you better than what I do. Um, but uh, a lot of our audience uh, won't know you. Um, so what I'd like to start off with is for you to give us your sort of two minute backstory. Who is Andrew Finkelstein? And then um, I will start to dig into all the good stuff and, and sort of break it down into the key areas that we're going to discuss for the podcast. So over to you. Fantastic. I thought Andrew Finkelstein was the good stuff. Um, any, anyhow, uh, I am Andrew Finkelstein. I've been working in and on the salon, professional salon business my entire career. Well, that's not totally true because I was in the retail business before that department store business as a, as a buyer. And, um, Got in, got into this business through my family, and we we had a very we had an international business. It was called Glenby International, and I actually, uh, with the exception of being a hairdresser, I worked in every position in the uh, company, starting behind a very busy front desk. So I learned the business from the ground up, and um, I got to go to. Uh, various countries around the world, lived in the UK 
for a couple of years where I ran a group of salons and uh, ran their our international training, went to Australia, uh, worked there for a time, and in the U.S., ran the, what we call the our prestige division, which were located in department stores such as Bergdorf Goodman, um, Henry Bendel, I. Magnin, the best department stores in the world where we had salons. And I work with, and I had the privilege of working with some of the top hairdressers, people such as uh, the great, late, great Kenneth Patel, the late, great Jean-Louis David, uh, Garen, uh, Orbe, the late Orbe, uh, a slew of people, just the top, top. And I know these people knew and know these people personally, and they're talented, as talented as you are in the audience. I know, I know that they're I know you out there in Anthony's audience are extremely talented, extremely uh, energetic, and looking forward to your future. So that's a little bit of history about me. Okay. I hope it made the two minutes. Yeah, no, you didn't, but who cares? You were good. <laughs> um, no. Um, okay. So you're you're very modest about that description, and and. You know, a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast is about change. And I started hairdressing at the end of the 70s, where a similar age. Um, and it was a time when in most big cities, but the premium salon in town was in a department store, very different times to today. And no matter what country you're in, a huge percentage of those premium salons were Glenby International salons. And it's just interesting that, you know, here we are, there'll be a lot of people that are listening to this that would be completely unaware of the brand and the impact that Glenby International had on the industry. Um, now, I know you just said that they were an international brand. You, you didn't allude to the fact that according to Google, and tell me if I've got any of this wrong, according to Google, uh, there were 1,600 salons at the peak. Uh, employing over 10,000 people in 10 different countries with mm -hmm. sales in excess of $250 million. Um, does that sound about right to you? That that's that sounds about right to me. Good. And, okay. that's, what, and that's when a dollar was worth a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's put it that way. Yeah, so, yeah. So that is one hell of a business. And, and you know, that was at the... Uh, end of the 70s, 80s, whatever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet now most people don't even know of the brand, don't even know of the name. So let let me let me ask you, first of all, I've got so many questions to ask you about that, but we, we don't have that long. Uh, what mm -hmm. happened? What what happened to Glenby International? Where are they now? Okay. So Glenby International was a family business. And um <clears throat> It was it was started actually a long time ago, 1880. So that was even not even in the previous century. That was in the 19th century. And it, it was started as a hairnet business by some Glenbys. Anyway, uh, long story short, my grandfather uh, got into the business, not the professional side of the business. He really didn't like the professional side of the business too much. Uh, he we had notions we had retail. And uh, anyway, 
after after the Second World War, his his uh, sons, there were three sons, got in. He brought them into the business, and basically he turned over the business to them. They were very young at the time; they just gotten out of out of the. Uh, the forces they'd served and they'd fought and and um he he turned the business over to them and what he did was because he valued family more than anything else he legally set the business up so that if any if any one of them wanted to sell the business or any one of their families wanted to sell the business that the business would have to be sold. So that that was the early construction of of the business. Fast forward, fast forward uh, four decades, let's say. Uh, my uncle, who I worked with, who I adored, uh, died, and his family did not want to remain in the business. So we had to sell the business. Sim- simple as that. Okay. Uh, and and that's that's why when you that's why the legal part of any hairdressing business is really important. That's why you have to think through your values. Yeah, that's exactly. why you have to. It it really is about that. And I could share. He my my grandfather wanted his sons to remain together. Yeah, he, and so, he knew. Yeah. So so did it? Anyway. Did it, it? It was privately held. So all privately held. Sixteen hundred yep. salons, all privately yep. owned by the family. That is oh, incredible. Yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who 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 did he sell it to? I mean, was it broken up and sold as different brands? No, it was or- not broken. Uh, no, it was not broken up at at the time. There's and they still exist, although barely today. Just testing the model. A company called Regis. Mm-hmm. Okay, which was a publicly held company. Yeah, and Regis. Regis had purchased uh, our department store competitor, okay? And it made sense for Regis to purchase us. So they basically would control the entire department store, specialty store market, okay? So, and they could they could economize, et cetera, because that would be, you know, we may have had 1500 1600 they had 10000 yeah they took it up to like 15000 mm. which you know we all have thoughts about that but yeah. they had different brands and they then had a very large i i believe it was 3500 uh department store salons right okay so it made, and it and made you, sense. you just alluded to the fact that it's still there in some shape or form it peaked at fifteen thousand odd salons. What is it down to now? Any idea? What the Glenby, the Glenby group, the, the, the Regis, original Regis group? Any oh, idea? The, the oh, well, Regis peaked because I know that's at, shrunk at a lot. Fifteen, and it's been a very tr- unfortunately. It was a it's it, it become it had become a very troubled company, mm. um, and today um, they have. Basically, become a, a from my understanding, they mm. become a franchise company. They yeah. have a great franchise called Supercuts that yeah. was the backbones, and they mm. bought other franchises. But they were taking the salons and franchising them. They want to franchise them to local owners. It could be it could be the hairdresser who's in charge of the local unit. Or you know a local business owner who wants to hop into the business, but they yeah. really want to spin off 
the company owns or they don't want to operate. Yeah, got it. Okay. Just, I'm, I'm curious. Um, you mentioned your three uncles uh, mm-hmm. who, who you know, developed the professional side of the business and built up mm-hmm. that, that monster of 15,000, uh, 1,500, 1,600 salons. Um, did they all have totally different skill sets? Was one of them the entrepreneur? Was one of them the accountant like what what did they each bring yes that's a that's a great that's a great question yeah one one uncle well we had a couple of divisions uh we continued with what was called the notions division um and one uncle headed that and he was he was really the uh the accountant let's put it that way Mm. um my dad my dad was the entrepreneur he was the youngest he was the gunner and uh my senior uncle the uncle nathan was he was he was the chairman let's put it that way okay okay it's always interesting when you look at a family business the, yeah the and he was he, happened, he was an attorney yeah he okay was, he, he also was an attorney yeah yeah so no one as a hairdresser all on the no business one, side of it there, yeah. there was no hairdresser on the yeah. business side Okay. Fascinating. All right. Um, I mean, we're going to be talking about change and how the industry is evolving. Uh, You know, the department store thing. Um, The businesses were primarily in department stores in that age. Correct. Correct. Why was that? I mean, I I sort of know the answer, but I just want you to to say it. Because, Because originally, as I said to you, before the business started out as as a notions business a, a, a retail business and one department store called jl hudson in the early 20th century came to the glenbys and said hey you deal with all sorts of things women's products you must know about beauty how we hear that there are these beauty parlors we'd like one in our store and we think that you guys can run it wow so when was this what decade are we talking about 19 1909 something crazy okay. like right that. so very, some, yeah. somewhere i have the original contract yeah my dad gave it to me wow yeah. it's one page yeah. you can you know so there was not a lot of fine print yeah and that and that's how it started but the department stores you know, was not where the growth was at the time because there weren't many department stores. Yes, every every city had a downtown department store. Yeah, but but it wasn't until the nineteen after the Second World War into the fifties where the department stores started to grow and expand through as as America pushed out of the cities. You know this, and they had things called malls. Yeah, and the department stores would anchor them all. Yeah. Very different, very different in the UK. Very different in the UK. Different in Australia because in the UK, as as you know, there was always the, the one or two or three department stores in the central area. And that's where people shopped. Yeah. And for years and years and years. So there wasn't like new branches, et cetera. Yeah. Well the it was a it was a what we say? I, I was going to say that the the mall 
It was the game changer, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know when the first more it, it total, total. Uh, it, it was it was total how society how society was going. Yeah, the mall and the motor car changed everything, and, the, and, and more so changed, in America than in Europe because you know, the land of great spaces, etc. Yeah, to- totally, totally correct. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, so the stores, you know, stores would say, "Hey, we're putting in a new mall. We want you to come with us." What are yeah. we going to say? No. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Big, big opportunity. What, what What's the secret to building? A family business. I mean, you know, you must have well a working in it, but b growing up in it. You know, yeah. Like, what, what's the secret to it? I mean, anyone who can get fifteen to sixteen hundred salons together, they've got to know the formula for, for making it work. You really, you as really a family, have to, you know, this may sound uh, woo woo, but you really have to have a consciousness about what you're doing. You yeah. have, you have to have, you really have to be like, communicative. You have to have courage, okay, yes. to say yeah. what to say what's true to you. Mm. You have to have. Uh, I mean, my dad and his brothers had great a great relationship, and and this this could sound really crazy. You have to have love. Mm. Those guys loved one another. Mm. truly loved one another and without without that you, you don't have a family business because it gets very complicated as yeah. successive generations come in yeah and yeah. you know and there's a, with love comes trust absolutely mm. and those those guys trusted my dad and uncles trusted one another to the ends of the earth yeah, fascinating. And it's it's fascinating, you know, because in the intro, I talk about change. Um, mm-hmm. And I talk about how, you know, hairdressers seem to think that we're the only ones that are, are, are being forced to change, you know, this evolving business model. But, you know, as I, as I said in the intro, you know, Look at how the taxi industry's changed because of Uber. Look at how the music industry's changed because of of you know streaming services like Spotify. Look at how the hotel industry's changed because of Airbnb, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Everything is changing and always has changed. It's not some new phenomena. Yep. Maybe the only thing that's mm-hmm. new ish is the rate of change because with technology, etc., it seems to have sped everything up. Um, but before we start talking about about the changes in the industry today and your sure. your take on that, mm-hmm. th- th- there's something else I wanted to touch on, and that was that yes. I know that you, uh, well, A, you're a coach, but B, you you worked with Michael Gerber, um, who wrote that, you know, seminal piece of work, The E-Myth. And mm-hmm. I find over the years when I talk to hairdressers, if there's one business book they've read, it will be The E-Myth. And The E-Myth has been a, a fantastic book. It certainly was a... A, a a seminal moment for me as a business owner, a new mm-hmm. business owner, when I mm-hmm. first read it and when I met Michael, um, a, in terms of understanding business. So, um, what I wanted to ask you about that was, you know, we don't have time to talk about him in great depth, but what, what's the most important lessons that that you got from working with? Michael Gerber, the E-Myth, as a coach and sort of understanding that side of who you've become. Okay. 
Well, as a, as, as a coach, what I did for him, and, and the reason I chose to work with him is because I, too, had read the book, and I, too, was, was moved by it, so much so that I, I picked up the phone and I called. Yeah, want more information? Because I knew, coming from my own background of, of the chain business, one of the things that was critical in our business was system development. Yeah. And that, diff- that allowed, without a system, without a system, we could not have grown. And we had very strong systems for everything, not just financial systems. You know, we had training systems. We had all the things that you could dream of. We had systematized. Okay. And so I'm out there. I'm now uh, develop, wanting to develop a coaching business. But I knew, I knew I needed a system. And I knew I wanted to teach people teach people in our industry how to build a successful business. And I knew they needed systems. So, so Michael had probably the uh, best, probably still does in that in business building systems that are available anywhere in the world. And so I went and worked with him and learned and spent three years, three years training in learning how to learning the systems and how to apply them and how to bring them into someone else's business, how to coach someone so that they could bring a system in. And um, really, uh, it's, it's in, what he created was, was in, incredible, totally incredible, and it worked. And I think the real lesson is let the systems do the work, let the people operate the systems. Yeah. Let yeah. the he systems has, do the work. Yeah. He has so many great little one-liners like that doesn't he? I yeah, mean, you know, they're, yes, they're... he yes he does and those those are those are really uh, truisms, you mm, know. Exactly. You, yeah. 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 And, and that's how that's how you grow. Mm. That's how you grow. And Michael curiously, I think cuz cuz I know I knew the guy, I still know him. He's a very evolved person um in terms of he's a very spiritual guy. Mm. And Although, although we may think that the emeth is cut and dry, there's a spiritual side to it mm. that um, is quite incredible. Yeah. But that takes a, that's that's another level of knowing and working working with it. So, yeah. Not right. all is not all is what it seems. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, I know when I've heard him speak um and subscribe to various things that he puts out on the internet and stuff he has a very mm-hmm. very much very, spiritual very dimension to it yeah. yeah yeah okay so your your coaching company um a game mastery coaching that's the correct mm-hmm. terminology mm-hmm. isn't it yes that, um, yes that is as a as a coach uh, and mm-hmm. i know you you deal with the the top end of the market with high performance coaching do, do you just work with hairdressers or do you work with other industries as well i I, i've worked i i've worked with other industries i prefer i prefer to work with hairdressers owners in our in our industry yeah and it's just that's that's my own thing i'm dedicated to kind of crazy but uh then i'm dedicated to seeing people thrive 
to mm. seeing people grow, to seeing people become all that they can be. And I know that they can become so much more mm. than, and there's not a put down of anyone, than how, who they are today. Yeah. And, you know, people, people, and so that's why I have niched in, in the business. Okay. Let me ask you this question with, with working yeah. with, you know, salon owners over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that holds most people back from achieving their goals? Great question. I would say it's their belief system about themselves and about the business hmm. and um, not being able to, that's the wrong word, not giving the time, not taking the time to reflect. They're so busy, so busy, juggling so many balls in the air that, and, and believing, believing, you know, look, people don't have a lot of confidence. Some, some do, most don't. Um, salon owners tend not to have a lot of confidence because they haven't necessarily built up the competence side of the business there. You know, most people have been hairdressers, mm-hmm. right? Who had what Michael calls an entrepreneurial seizure. Yeah, yeah. Believe, believing that uh, because they know the business, the work of the business, that they know how a business would work. And the two are very different. The two are totally different. So, you know, what happens is they they slip and they go working in the business, you know, developing their own, uh, they develop their own following whilst they're trying to develop the business. And it's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So just going, just going back to your question, you know, you really have to uh, know yourself and get a, get a, and know that you have to develop the confidence and you do, you do that over time. There's no instant presto solution to this. Mm. And it's really about, it's really about more about you, about your leadership, about how congruent you are, how caring you are, how conscious you are, how you, how you adapt to change. Lots of, lots of things that mm. when I work with someone, we work on. Do you, do, there's, there's two words, because every, you know, every man and his dog, for want of a better expression, is a coach these days. Uh, right. Unfortunately, there's some very good ones, but there's a lot of people out there that are, they're coaches for all the wrong reasons. And there's two different words, coach and mentor. And I meet mm-hmm. people who are extremely good coaches, but they're not hairdressers. And they don't have to be mm-hmm. because the definition of a coach to me Correct. is is that they're not to say to you, this is how you should do it. They're to get you Correct. to identify your goals and your blockages and mm-hmm. to help you mm-hmm. work through those things. Whereas a mentor is that person. And I so I, I'm a coach, but I really regard myself right. often more as a mentor. 
and that mm-hmm. I'm a, I was a salon owner. I've had salons. I've. This is how I did it. This is what I mm-hmm. suggest you do. That is the mentor versus the coach. Correct. Which is Correct. asking questions and digging in that way. Exactly. 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 Okay. So, so what approach do you have? Mm-hmm. Because okay. you're not a hairdresser, but you may as well be because you've spent most of your life in this industry. Uh, I, so you haven't had a pair of scissors in your hands, but you uh, really I understand have. it. <laughs> you have. Okay. There are more talented people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that you'd actually done hair. Well, I, I, I you know, snip or two, but that's, right. but okay. really at home. <laughs> so the approach the approach that I use, the high performance, and I'm a certified high performance coach, okay? And it, it's completely different, completely different. It, there, it, it is, you said some things about how you, you're you living in the question with, with your clients. Completely different because the larger outcome, the larger outcome that I'm looking for beyond any goal of the client is to help them, is to help that client reach higher performance in all areas of their life, okay? And there's a set of specific questions that I use that are followed. Each session that I work with the client is unique and has a set of questions. And each session also has a training component in there, okay, where I teach you I teach the client a new habit. I teach them a new tool or teach them a new concept that furthers their education and and growth in that specific area. Okay. In short, in short, I have a curriculum. So this isn't like, Hey, how's it going today? What you want to talk about? You know, Oh, uh, Joni didn't show up. Okay. So, you know, what can we do about that? This that is not on the that's not my job there. My, I'm paid to push. I'm paid for your growth. You're coming to me because you want to grow. You want to grow your business, and you are the one yet growing your life. I mean, if you're not growing, your business is not growing. Promise you that. So, in short, as I said, you know, there's a curriculum or a roadmap for progress that allows me and the client to consistently feel that that each session, each session, every time we come together is adding value and advancing, advancing them. They're growing. They're moving forward no matter what their goal is. Does that does that make sense to you? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. No, very, very much so. I, I was thinking before we got, uh, before I pushed the record button, um, I'm not sure if I volunteered it or if you asked, but the, the question I answered was, who is the average listener? And I, and I, I described them to you, you know, as as the average mm-hmm. person listening to this, and some of them will start smiling to themselves now because they are doing this. Is that the average one is a woman, uh, and mm-hmm. in in their thirties, uh, they own a salon, uh, so they have staff, they have a husband, and they're probably listening to this while they're in the car or on the peloton mm-hmm. or walking mm-hmm. the dog. Do you know what I mean? No, and, I know exactly what you mean. 
and and that they're thinking to themselves, if I'm going to listen to Anthony's podcast for an hour, what am I going to get from it? Because the thing mm-hmm. that those people have all got in common is they're busy. So what I wanted to ask you is one question: is if you're that person. If you're, you know, and they may not be in their 30s, and they may not be a woman, and they may not be on the peloton. <laughs> but, you know, for argument's sake, you know, just to paint the picture. If you're a salon owner and you're listening to this, what would you say the top three things are that that salon owner should focus on? Number one is, is seeking clarity, okay? Focus on envisioning the future. Focus on determining the feeling, how you want to be, what feeling you're after, okay? This is real. When you go to that salon, how when you open that door, how do you want to show up, okay? And then determine what's meaningful to you, okay? Also, also, you want, you want to, and this is in a busy, busy world, and thank God there, there are things like Pelotons, because without them, we're not generating the energy we need to be the owner that we have to be. I mean, there's nothing worse than having an owner come in with an energy level that's down. And people are afraid, I I have to say, you know, I'm sure you've met people who always seem to be up. That's real. That's not a put on. You can't Mm -hmm. show up every day being positive, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, if you don't have energy. So, you know, it's, there's something which we'll just call bring on the joy, making sure, making sure your health is optimized. Okay, because if you're not feeling well, this is why I'm really it's so important. If you're not feeling well, if you're not taking care of yourself, which my gosh, we know hairdressers, we know owners. And they're the last ones, you know, they're, they're nine o'clock at night, they're standing at the wall and they know the kids, you know, husband's feeding the kids. It creates a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, they're exhausted. So you got to take care of yourself so that you can generate, so that you generate the energy. And then you have to, third thing, there's more, but you have to develop influence, especially today in our industry where where you know there's lots of forces at work you have to develop influence you have to teach people how to think you have to challenge your people to grow and you yourself have to role model the way and there's very specific habits that you can develop to do all those things mm-hmm. okay so those are those are three things yeah good uh, yeah no they're three good things yeah, very good. Okay, um, right. Let's let's sort of fast forward a little bit and talk about um, you. You write a very great uh, newsletter, which I subscribe to every week, as I was saying to you. And you always have some some great opinions in there uh, about the industry as it is today. So I want to dig into uh, a couple of things there, which was the retail model of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's what I want to talk about first. Uh, because I know you have, you know, okay, so so with your salon background, mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest that retail probably wasn't a big part of that business, purely because since that business has been sold, you know, 20, 30 years ago, 
the whole professional retail thing has absolutely exploded. It's it's huge now. So forgive me if I'm wrong when I say that it probably wasn't a big part of your business. Uh, but the way that retail is changing now, and a lot of it is because of what you can do with a phone, is not just, um, you know, scroll through social media, uh, but you can buy stuff, etc. So yeah. how do you see the salon retail model evolving? I've heard you talk about, you know, different um, different uh, channels to market now that didn't exist mm-hmm. before. And mm-hmm. I, men- I mentioned to you that I'm, I'm going to have someone on the podcast shortly uh, who represents one of those channels. So I'd, I'd be very interested to get your thoughts about it because retail done well is a significant profit center for uh, salons, but there's a lot of people sort of talking down retail, professional retail as being, you know, there's nothing in it for us. It's like, you know, run a mile from stock and retail in your salon. You don't need it anymore. It's not part of the professional model. Well, here's the thing. And you just hit the nail on the head. You know, if you, if you don't believe, if you don't believe that this is going to add to your, uh, success, if you don't believe that it's going to add value to your clients and to your company, if you don't believe that uh, you can become a better hairdresser by becoming more knowledgeable about the things that consumers are already using and you become the expert, if you don't believe that, don't do retail. You're right. You're right. I have a very strong opinion about that because I think you are out of your mind. You are out of your mind. And that comes that comes from confidence and competence. You are not confident that you could do it because you don't know how to do it. Okay. Let's just we'll leave it there. And I don't want to come across as a jerk about it. But let's let's the model is changing. You have to be in the game. There are tools, there are tools that that are available today that were never certainly never available to us. I mean, you know. My God, my God, it's great. You can go directly into your client's phone, show up. They can order today online from you. What an amazing thing. What an, they don't have to they don't have to go anywhere. And if it builds a bond of trust. And if there's one thing, if there's one thing that I know about great hairdressers, and it's not that they're great technically, some are, but the best ones build the trust. And all the retail is, it's another, it's icing on that cake of trust. It's beautiful. And so if you go in with a mindset, oh, it's something I have to do, well, don't do it. But if, some, if you want to take great care of your client, and I know this may sound like propaganda from the whatever the the uh, product companies. It's not. It's the truth. People are going to buy. They're more likely to buy from you because they trust you than anyone else. And if not today, they'll buy tomorrow. But you still have to be. You, you know, you're still competing. You're still competing with all those retail outlets you're competing with amazon but you could beat them because they'd rather do business with you if they like you and trust you yeah it's so fundamental it's so 
crazy that people that people don't jump on the bandwagon. Mm. The, but the it key, takes work. Yeah, it's the, work, the, key, it's work. the key word though is what you said about caring. That, that, that's yeah. you, you don't do it for a commission. If you get a commission, great, but you do it because it's your client and you care about them, and because you care about them and you want to have the right stuff, you recommend it, and hopefully they purchase it. And yes. The business makes money out of that, but that's the nature of business. It's you know, it's what's meant to happen. But but the driving thing has to be because I genuinely care about this client and what's best for their hair. So I'll recommend yeah, it. We happen to have absolutely. it on the shelf, or we happen to have it on our website and we'll ship it directly to you. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. we have an affiliate relationship with someone else who holds it who will ship it to you. Mm-hmm. And and you can be you can bet your bottom dollar pound or whatever we want to call it. Mm. That that caring, that those who really care, those who really care, who are of service, mm. have better businesses, lead better lives. That it, actually, caring is one component of some of the work that I do. But but I can tell you that for sure, it's and caring is an element of high performance. Mm. That was something that you mentioned it before we started recording, and I'd made a note of mm-hmm. it. Um, and you sort of just touched on it then. You said about building a better life mm-hmm. is a fundamental principle that underpins everything you do when you're talking to hairdressers. Absol- uh, uh, that it's not just uh, about running a better hairdressing salon. It's, it's about listen, building a better it's life. Building it's it's and and there was a guy Michael Cole. Yeah, he's still around, Michael. Yeah, it's it's and my and I. I tip my hat off to him. All this is about building a better business so that you can lead a better life. Yes. Why else would you want to do it? Mm. It's stupid. It's stupid. So, so when you get clear on that, and then what does a better life mean to you? Clarity is essential in high performance. Mm. You know, who you want to be how you want to treat others, how, who you want to show up as every day. There's a, there are, there's work, there's work to be done mm. for everyone in that area. But ultimately, ultimately it's about life. It's about joy. It's about happiness. Who doesn't want to be happy? Mm, exactly. I know that may sound, I may, that may sound crazy, but you go to work every day. Hey, you spend what percentage of your life there working with people okay working with clients working working with your team you want to be you want to be feeling great yeah exactly okay um last thing before we start to wrap up is i want to talk about the evolving business model um your salon businesses were very much employee-based businesses yes they were um and over the last you know 20 25 years there's been a real shift towards more independent contractors um whether they're called booth renters chair renters or the salon suite movement um Mm -hmm. give me your thoughts about that you know what do you think is driving it what's good about it what's not so good about it for the industry you know where you think it's going etc 
Okay. First of all, I think it's I think it's good for the industry because I think it's part of the industry. I think you know overall, overall, because there's always been that. Let, let's put it that way. There's always been the uh, independent, the booth renters, etc. It's just we're more aware of it. Why? Because social. <laughs> you know, we're just we're really aware of it. Um, and, and my own experience, my own background, we did have where we we were hairdressers, but we also had full service. And wherever we had full service, we brought in experts from those areas, companies, beauty companies to run that part of the part of the business because they knew their business mm. um, and they had they had employees and sometimes they hired independent contractors anyway anyway i i i believe if you're building a a business you need to be very clear there's that word again as to what the business represents uh it's uh, it's very tough it's very tough to um, have a hybrid you know some of this some of that employees or or um <clears throat> Booth renters, I think that is what I call a knickknack business. Um, I think that going into uh, booth rental as coming out of school and taking that option, I think it's very um, tough. I, I think people will drop out of the business altogether because they're not going to make a buck. Mm. And they're not going to do the things that you really have to do, the hard things that you have to do to be successful, like show up every day. And they'll rationalize. You know, you, they're not going to be disciplined, right? which is which is a challenge for salon owners because of all the stuff that's coming up in their lives. So those independents have stuff coming up in those their own lives. Do you think they're going to be disciplined when all they have to uh the only person they have to report to is themselves. Don't think so. Mm. I think it's a formula. I think a young person going into that, it's a formula for disaster. Likewise, you know, how do, how do we, what do we have to do as a salon owner? How can you address that? Just be a great leader. Just learn to lead. Lead yourself first. Learn to lead your team. And going back to Gerber, Gerber's mantra, set high standards, firm boundaries, and come from the heart. That's that's how we have to be. And I know there's a lot to that. Okay. Uh, so I think there's there's a, a place around the world for employee-based businesses. Not everyone wants to be their, do their own thing. There are, there are some people who like to come. And most people like to be led, <laughs> basically. There, there are very few leaders. Yeah. So how can you have all these businesses out there that require leadership? It doesn't work. Mm. So if you want a successful business, and it's hard, you got to honor the struggle, that hat, that, you know, it's hard. I, I talked yesterday with someone from Intercoiffure. He said, boy, getting people out there, you know, bringing people to work. I, I've done everything. He said, and then I just, just decided, heck with it. I'm going into the schools and I am, and this guy runs a high end place. 
I am going to recruit. He said, it's been great. It's been great. I have a training program. I recruit people. They're, they're looking forward to coming to work every day. It's been great. You got to shift your thinking around all this stuff. And yeah, it heard. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what, quote, unquote, the industry does. It matters what you do. You. There's always going to be successful salon owners. Yeah, always. I, I heard someone say something recently. I don't remember who it was now. It may have been on a podcast. It may have been one of my guests. It may have been someone I was listening to. And they said something like, it wasn't long ago where you'd advertise for staff. Now you have to recruit staff. And I thought, yes, it really rung a bell with me, that they're two different things. Mm -hmm. It's not just stick an ad in the window anymore or on Seek or whatever to get people. It's, no, you've got to go out there. You've got to recruit people. So that was interesting. The other other thing I picked up on were those three points that you said, you know, high standards, firm boundaries, and come from the heart. Mm Mm-hmm. There's three really good points for a, a manager to have tattooed on their forehead, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. maybe maybe just as a screensaver. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, because, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Because what? what? Um, no, I, I, I don't know what I was going to say then. Uh, high standards, firm boundaries come from the heart. Um, I, I know I was going to segue into before we before we wrap up is is – where do you see the future of the industry? Where are the opportunities? It's a great question, Anthony. I, I see that this is probably the only business that's going to be left standing when all is said and done in our <laughs> in, in increasingly virtual world. Yeah. Okay. That, that, this is... This is with the exception of, of another kind of personal services business. Yeah. This is the only business where we can touch people fully. And that's people, you know, physically as well as you know, emotionally, but really physically, and people need that. We're so divorced from one another in the last three years, especially. Mm-hmm. It's everything's been so exaggerated with mm-hmm. with you know the human touch. It's been it's I God the, the, the people who in our industry we have done and those people who have survived are left standing and are now prosperous have done incredibly well and they ought to convert every one of your every one of your listeners out there who is in business today and was in business, you know, before the pandemic ought to congratulate themselves for coming through it Mm -hmm. and leading others through it. What an amazing journey, but going, going forward, you really have to, we're going to be a solid business. Okay. I, I believe that the independence those who really take hold and become the leaders in their marketplace are going to prosper. There's, there's not going to be, you know, this getting by kind of thing. You just have to, you just have to be, it's taken that good to great 
that's that's what I'm saying. People who really get that are gonna gonna love doing business, love the industry, and they'll be successful. And I and I believe this. You know, there's not gonna be the Floby revolution. Mm. It's just not gonna be at least in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. And and I think in the lifetime of everyone who's listening to this podcast, it's not gonna not gonna be. I, I did like something you just said there that I, I picked up on was um about we touch people physically but also emotionally. And we forget that. We forget that. It's not just, you know, get your head down next, please. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 we do have this opportunity to touch people, you know, physically, make them feel good, but to connect and engage with them emotionally at a deeper level. And that's something oh. that's so important. And it's something that a lot of people don't, you know, always give a lot of thought to about this industry. And it's an, well, it's an important part. Yeah, of it. it is. And, and, and I know salon owners who celebrate, you know, different generations of of clients coming into mm. their business and those places those salons are as relevant today as they were relevant when you know the grandmother started coming in yeah. and now she now she brings her little granddaughter in or the mom brings it's that's the bond that's the business mm. that's you know that's what people want yeah in a world in a world that's going it seems like out of control which it is in many ways but it's always been anyway we're just aware of it Mm. where we can bring people together in a community it's that's salon that's salon I, i wrote something down before um before we got on this call uh, it was a quote that I'd read that you uh, you quoted it, but it wasn't your quote. It was Disney's mm-hmm. quote, and it was the perfect way to finish on this. It was something about magic and the work and the business. It's not the mag- It's not magic that makes the business work. It's the work that makes the magic. That makes the business. Makes was that it? Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I wrote it yeah. down somewhere. I thought it was fabulous. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, listen, we need to we need to to wrap up here. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed talk, talking with you. Um, whereabouts can people connect with you on uh, social media or website? Uh, what would be the best place for them to go and you know, best find out best more? place best place is my website. It's andrewfinkelstein.com. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, just just go there and sign up for my newsletter. It's there. You can do. You can also sign up for a uh, a conversation with me if you'd like. It's all Good. available there. Okay, and well. and you know uh, that's that's the best that's the best way. Or you can just email me directly, Andrew at andrewfinkelstein.com and I will get back to you. Well, I will put those links uh, on our website, growmysalonbusiness.com in the show notes for today's podcast. So if you're listening to this podcast with Andrew Finkelstein and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. 
And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. All of my guests on the podcast willingly give up their time free of charge as a way of giving back to others. So think of a review as a way of saying thank you to them. So to wrap up, Andrew Finkelstein, thank you so much for being on this week's Grow My Salon Business podcast. Anthony, it was really an honor and a privilege of being here. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It was great. I had a wonderful time being with you. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.